You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Well, welcome to another uh, QB Power Hour. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about selling on Amazon. We're just really going to have a, a panel discussion from uh, some friends of mine that I've worked with that have uh, that do sell on Amazon. And uh, so we want to really want to get their, their input as far as what that experience has been like from a business owner's perspective. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, uh, Michelle, who would be normally... Uh, co-hosting with us today. Unfortunately, her husband uh, has has a had to take him to the doctor, uh, not an emergency or anything, but just wanted to get him uh, get him checked out. So uh, she's not going to be joining us today. But as everybody knows, she's uh, the owner of Long for Success. She's an international speaker, Intuit trainer, writer network. She's authored five books available on Amazon. <laughs> uh, so I was hoping to have her on as well, because now we have like a a, a trifecta of, of people <laughs> selling on Amazon. I'm the only one that doesn't sell something on Amazon here. What's, <laughs> what's that all yeah. about? Um, but uh, as uh, you know, always join the Facebook group to keep the, keep the, um, keep the discussion going. As, as always, my name is Dan DeLong, uh, owner of Dan Witt, I worked at Intuit for nearly 18 years, your co-host uh, today, also doing uh, the workshop Wednesdays. Uh, at schoolofbookkeeping.com and uh, tech editing uh, QBO for dummies. So that is uh, selling on Amazon. So I guess I do sell something on Amazon, but I don't, <laughs> I don't sell anything on Amazon. Uh, so we have a couple guests today. Uh, so if I want to go ahead and toss it over to Randy. Randy, tell us a little bit about your business um, and, and give us a little introduction. Sure. Uh, I'm Randy Horn. Um, my, I, I actually have two companies that sell on Amazon. One is called Zobmondo. We are a 25-year-old company that uh, manufactures and sells board games, um, as you can see in the picture there. And uh, I have, the business over the 25 years has evolved from selling at little mom-and-pop uh, brick-and-mortar retail all the way to the largest uh, Target, Walmart, all those big guys, uh, also brick and mortar now to primarily an Amazon seller, about 99, 98% of our sales are on Amazon. And then we just launched a food company that is selling on Amazon. It's called Finally Chickpea Butters. They're, they're like peanut butters that are made out of chickpeas. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm fresh. It's fresh in my mind on how to launch products on Amazon also. And for better or for worse, uh, I've had quite a bit of experiences uh, in just about every corner of Amazon to this point. So you're the you're the Amazon seller expert of uh, yeah. the, the panel here. Okay, uh, Eric. Eric, introduce uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, so my name is Eric Idis, and I'm CEO of PuttPod. We, if you're not familiar with PuttPod, uh, you'll probably enjoy watching. And you like dogs? Go uh, just Google us or search for us on. Uh, on our website or YouTube or Facebook or TikTok, And uh, you'll see a lot of awesome videos of dogs uh, playing with our product, which is more or less a computer for dogs. So there's a toy that has a bunch of technology inside. And when the dogs interact with the toy at the right time, they earn food rewards from a connected feeder 
that also has a video camera so you can uh, stream your dogs playing the game to your phone. You can control the game from your smartphone with, the, with our, our smartphone app. Um, and uh, the, uh, there's all kinds of scenarios for why, why customers are, are buying it. But basically that's our, our product. We just have the one product, which will turn into a, you can think of more of like a platform with lots of games over time. What was the, what was the genesis of, of, of PubPod? Where, um, like, where'd you get the idea for, for that? Yeah, so it was kind of a confluence of three, uh, three things that came together. Uh, the first was when I was a first-time pet owner back in about 2010, uh, my dog would bark at the TV whenever he would see dogs come on TV. And uh, one day we're watching some cartoon and a cartoon dog came on TV and he started barking at the cartoon dog, which just got me thinking that he was really processing information at a much different level than I had uh, expected or that I really realized. And so it got me thinking about, you know, what would he want to be interacting with if he could invent products rather than, you know, just chewing on a piece of plastic or, or eating a, uh, you know, tearing, ripping a plush toy apart to get the squeaker out. It just didn't seem like that was the best we could do uh, as humans for our dogs when we've you know, advanced so much further with products for kids using technology and software. So it occurred and got me thinking about, about that issue, which really opened up the question of you know, what would a dog invent if a dog could invent a computer? So I started thinking about what that could look like. And then in parallel, I was seeing all my friends who had kids and uh, folks that I knew with uh, you know, three-year-olds giving them $500 iPads. And just, you know, when I worked on the early smartphone devices, I never realized that, you know, we never, that was not a scenario that we thought was part of the product category, but clearly <clears throat> there was something there and people wanted to keep their dog occupied and have, um, sorry, keep their kids occupied either to take a break or just to, um, you know, they're in the car driving and they want to keep the kids entertained. The kids are learning things. So I thought there's an opportunity to do something similar for pet parents. There's nothing like that for pet parents in terms of using a technology tool. And then the third thing was uh, starting the smartphone, early smartphone products at, at Motorola and Microsoft. I um, had a chance to live through building a whole new product category. And as this kind of occurred to me, that this is gonna be a product category, it's definitely going to exist. So either I'm gonna build it or someone else is gonna build it. I decided I was gonna build it. And so that was kind of the, the, the confluence of, of factors. Nice. So, um, and if and if anybody goes to uh, pupod.com or, or, or your website, uh, your dog is actually in in most of the videos, right? Or, or all of them, right? Well, I mean, a lot of this, the material that we used to launch the site, since we didn't we didn't have as many videos from at least for the version two product from other with other dogs. You know, over time we got more of them. Now, customers are posting way more than I am, so we're getting a lot more variety um and breeds and we can see all the breeds we can see all the data from every dog in our back end and really the game is a set of um of incremental cognition tasks so we're we're probably on the leading edge of um collecting cognition data on dogs at scale uh just with uh, we have about 1200 more than 1200 units sold on version two since december and we've passed over 1.4 million minutes of gameplay. Um, That's cool. So, yeah, it's it's the, some of the stats on 
on how you know animals and people are using the product is pretty wild. That's fantastic. So a little bit about uh, the QB Power Hour uh, webinar. Um, so it's every other Tuesday at, at 12 noon Eastern. Uh, of course, today we're talking about selling on Amazon. And uh, next time we're going to be talking about what's new in QuickBooks Desktop 2022. Um, and I've actually uh, talked to my friends over at Intuit, and we're going to have uh, Ted Callahan joining us. Uh, so, you know, all of you accountants uh, who got the confusing email about what, what changes about accountants, you might want to join us then. Uh, but we'll also be talking about what is actually new for, you know, new coming for uh, QuickBooks 2022 desktop. Um, and, uh, and then we'll be talking the next time about the QBO advanced uh, users and roles. There's some, there's some changes and updates there. Of course, you have the links there for uh, the PDFs of the, of the slides, all the handouts, uh, as well as watching the recordings and the podcasts of the Power Hour. Uh, just a review or a, an update. Uh, last time we had Money Thumb come on and they, uh, they offered a promotion uh, to save $100 off the lifetime license. Uh, you just use QBPH at the checkout. Uh, and then in the slides, there's a link directly, or you could go to QBPowerHour.com uh, to, to find and get, the, get that promotion uh, as well. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you have uh, some Q&A, please use the Q&A, especially now that Michelle's not here, to be able to manage the webinar as we're, as we're doing things. Uh, it's a lot easier if you have a specific question for either Eric or, or Randy or myself, uh, go ahead and just enter the Q&A in the Q&A section of the, of the webinar. If you have comments, uh, like Nancy is very excited about uh, some of the upcoming webinars, um, you can put that in the chat. Uh, and then, of course, you have the, the handouts as well. So our topics today, we're going to talk about uh, selling on Amazon, um, you know, creating listings, some of the inventory concerns, uh, fulfillment and then sales tax concerns. And really, we're just going to be talking a little bit about, you know, we're going to be talking mostly just as a discussion, uh, because uh, as we have our niche nuance series in the in the QB Power Hour, um, this is a this is a pretty new uh, type of uh, thing for us uh, is is having just only business owners. You know, normally when we have a, a new a niche nuance, we'll bring in a, an accounting professional who specializes uh, in this sort of thing. But um, but now we want to really kind of focus on some of the business concerns, so that if you you know have a client. Uh, who is having these things, um, you know, how, how to best understand those things and how to overcome them, you know, when you're dealing with their backend uh, bookkeeping uh, thing. So we'll start off with our, with our first poll, uh, which is, do you have any clients uh, selling on Amazon? Uh, so Randy, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the, the history of, of, of your company. And you said right now you're only are you primarily only selling on Amazon? How did that uh, How did that come to be? Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm ninety nine percent Amazon. Um, my board game business uh, I've had it for twenty five years, and uh, during around two thousand twelve, this is when retail uh, really pretty much collapsed in the United States. Amazon uh, the retail really started squeezing small. Uh, businesses like mine, both for margin and for just everything, promotional dollars. It seemed like really what they cared about was 
who was going to pay them the most money, not which game was going to sell the best. And so at that point, I really, I got pretty disillusioned with brick and mortar re- with selling wholesale to brick and mortar retail. So I uh, uh, gradually started transitioning to Amazon. Up to that point, I was a vendor central Amazon seller, which means I just sold the product wholesale to Amazon and they did the rest. Um, but I started tinkering with moving to seller central and I realized I could make a little better margin uh, even after all the fees and I could control uh, the, f- the inventory levels so I wouldn't run out of stock as much. And, and over a period of years, just got better and better at optimizing my Amazon sales. Uh, last year, we sold over a million dollars on Amazon, which makes us, I believe, in the top 1% of Amazon sellers. And, uh, and then, of course, just launched a brand new food product on Amazon, too. So um, it was just a, a series of circumstances that had me move there. And uh, as, as we talked about earlier, we are starting to tinker for the first time with selling on Walmart's new, uh, I think it's WFS, Walmart Fulfillment Services, which is their effort at duplicating what Amazon does. Um, and, uh, I don't have much to report on that yet other than, uh, you know, there's some hiccups. Uh, I, I would not expect Walmart to be competing on an equal level with Amazon anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I'm trying to remember what book I read, but it was, uh, I think it was the, the four hour work week or something where it's, where it's like, you can't am out Amazon, Amazon. I mean, they yeah. have, <laughs> They have they have the market on being themselves. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Uh, but it looks like our, our first poll is is pretty split. I mean, we have uh, about almost half and half uh, people who have um, have have clients working with uh, selling things on Amazon, and those that don't. So this is this is great. All right, so we'll go on to the next slide here. Um, so anyway, that's have... a pretty big number, Dan. That's a pretty big number. I mean, forty nine percent of your watchers. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So we did have some prior webinars where we talked a little bit about the, the you know, con- this is kind of like continuing in the niche nuance. Um, we did have uh, one that's specifically on e-commerce where we had uh, Vanessa, uh, Veronica Wasik uh, join us. She was the accounting professional who specializes in, in e-commerce across the board. Um, and then we had Webgility uh, come on to talk about uh, sim- simplifying some of the e- e-commerce accounting. Um, and full disclosure, um, both of you guys use Webgility, and that's how I came to know you guys, right? Because uh, Randy, you had a you had a terrible problem with Webgility, and they yeah. recommended that I talk to you about trying to uh, clear that up uh, in in your QuickBooks. And um, just so that you know, people know, you're using desktop QuickBooks, uh, even an old version. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> of, Sorry. Of, of QuickBooks. Dirty word. <clears throat> right. And then, uh, Eric, uh, you're using QuickBooks online, right? So, um, but you're using the online product of, of Webgility versus uh, the desktop product. So, you know, wide range, you know, uh, spectrum of, of, of experiences, but you're both needing to, to track inventory and, you know, it can be done, you know, in, yeah. in, either, in either platform. Let's talk a little bit about getting started uh, with Amazon. You know, how did how did you guys, um, Eric? We'll, we'll start with you. When you when you first started launching your product, when did it become, you know, a, a part of your business model? Is it like, okay? I'm going to have to deal with, uh, with with selling on Amazon, or did you say to yourself, 
oh, that's a no-brainer. I have to sell on Amazon. Basically, the latter. Mm -hmm. Um, We we sold a version one product, a generation one product, that um, where we partnered with a company for the feeder, and we just focused on the game, the toy. And um, they didn't sell their feeder on Amazon, so we couldn't really sell our toy on Amazon. We did try to sell it there, but then customers would be frustrated that the feeder wasn't also there. They couldn't just buy everything at once. So we were on Amazon just to kind of understand a little bit, but mostly we were selling off of, you know, in other places and the generation one product. So then when generation two came out, it just, we had already been feeling the pain of it not really working on gen with the gen one product to be on Amazon. So yeah, that was part of our, our plan for the, as part of the product launch for generation two, because then with generation two, we control everything. We have the feeder and the toys so we can, put it all in one box and all, you know, it's all branded together. And, uh, and um, it just made, it made sense to be on Amazon. Now, um, now you, Eric, you actually don't solely sell on Amazon. You also sell on your website as well by using, by using Shopify. Was that, um, you know, a two pronged approach that that you thought we we need to sell some on uh, Amazon. We need to sell some on our, on our, on our, on our own website or did that, evolve no no right from the we had our own website the whole time you know from version one generation one and you know it's a place where every people can learn about the product you have a lot more control over you know blogging and talking with your customers and so um for our product since it's so unique it's not like we're reselling something that everybody knows what it is we really had to have a website to explain it and then it made sense to sell it there too Right, because there's only so much you can say in your listing about <laughs> what it is well, that uh, what it is that you you, you do, right? It, it's even worse than that. Um, one of the problems that we learned through through the process is you can't generate awareness on Amazon. People know what they're looking for, and if you can align with a search string uh, for their intent, then you're in the fight. But if they're not searching for you because they've never heard of your product, they've never thought about mm-hmm. the solution that you brought. Um, to market, then it's really, it's almost impossible to generate awareness on Amazon. Yeah. Randy, do you, you feel that, that that's been your experience as well? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, different product categories are, are, it are different. So like, you know, between my food product and my game products, I can generate some awareness using keyword advertising on Amazon uh, for the game products because uh, the keyword clicks are not too expensive, but I found that with the food products, you know, keyword clicks in categories like gluten-free or something like that, they could be $5 a click. And obviously you can't make money when one click is $5. So, um, so it is different. And, and one of the big differences is, as we discussed, I sold at major retail for years. So some of my games already had a built-in brand equity to them. So people were looking for them and I can leverage uh, someone looking for my best-selling game and introduce them to some of our other games on Amazon. So, and, but uh, everything Eric said makes a lot of sense. In fact, we're working on improving our Shopify presence right now too. So uh, diversification, I think is going to be important for us. Now, um, Randy, you mentioned uh, being a vendor central seller and then uh, seller central. So the, Explain a little bit about the difference between the two again, so that sure. uh, we have a better understanding. 
Sure. Well, what, when you when you have a product and you sell wholesale, like let's just say I sell to a, a, a mom and pop game store, uh, essentially you take a, a let's call it a, a fifteen a twenty dollar game. You sell it to them basically for ten dollars, and they have a fifty percent margin to work with and make money on their business. And I got to make money on on the ten dollars. Um, and when you sell to Vendor Central, you're just selling to another wholesale customer. They're buying the product. You're shipping it to their warehouse. Once you ship it, it's no longer yours. And if mm -hmm. they can't figure out how to sell it, then they're gonna then they're stuck with it. Um, and Seller Central is different. Uh, of, instead of Amazon being the seller. Uh, now Zomondo is the seller. And so the, the inventory that I ship into Amazon's warehouse, I still own and, uh, and is my response. I pay a storage fee. I pay a fulfillment fee instead of, uh, just getting paid a wholesale and having them take it from there. Now what's happening is I'm, uh, being billed service fees for everything Amazon does, whether it's fulfillment, uh, returns, commissions. Uh, storage, uh, ship, ship, uh, freight into, into their, uh, di distribution centers. So what I found is, although, uh, all those fees add up, um, I was able to make a slightly bigger margin on seller central, but most importantly, I was able to control the inventory level. So if I knew the holidays were coming and I was going to sell a huge amount, much more than I was selling, let's say in August, I had the ability to, uh, load their distribution centers with product ahead of time so that I wouldn't run out of stock. Whereas when I was with Vendor Central, every Christmas I was out of stock. And it was very frustrating to see so much demand left on the table there. And that was a big reason for the shift. Got it. So I, uh, in the slides, I've, I've included a link there to the it's Amazon's Beginner's Guide to, to Selling on Amazon. So you get an understanding of, you know, what it takes to... to set up a, an Amazon seller central account, making a listing and, and choosing some of these uh, fulfillment uh, options. Like anything, there's fees. <laughs> and, and Amazon has, I mean, what I've discovered by, by working with both of you is that the fees can be such a headache, right? I mean, just trying to sort out, I mean, it's almost like a uh, at the point of like, they, they, they want to confuse you so much <laughs> with all of their categories of fees that, um, that you, you, you give up, right? I mean, yeah. is that what you've experienced, uh, Randy? Because yours is convoluted, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're selling, we sell items from $10 up to, you know, $40. And I mean, you know, in December... I could sell a thousand units a day. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll sell 30,000 units in just December. And sometimes, uh, you know, there's fees that are two cents. Sometimes the exact same fee, Amazon will have two different names for it. <laughs> It'll be the exact same fee and they'll have the, the name of the fee will be two different completely random names. So yeah, I mean, like this is exactly what happened. I mean, we got bigger and bigger on Amazon and, you know, the minuscule transactional fees uh, just were so numerous that it was, it was almost impossible to manually keep up with them. I mean, I, I guess that's the best summary. 
and and what what even makes it even more challenging is that these fees and and the the, the settlement doesn't happen on a daily basis. It happens every two weeks, so it's kind of yeah. like every every so often there's this lump sum, and you hope it's correct. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, and then sorting it out is is, is certainly a challenge. And uh, Eric, you have a you have an interesting uh, scenario like about your fulfillment uh you don't actually fulfill anything you have amazon fulfill everything even the ones that are sold on your website right well um yes and no well actually <laughs> no uh we have a lot fulfilled through amazon we can we have to have two listings on amazon one for the manufacturer fulfilled listing and one as a, for one product we have two listings One's the manufacturer fulfilled listing and one is the FBA listing because if we run out of stock in FBA, Amazon won't show your FBA listing because they can't fulfill it and they only want to show people things they can buy and ship right away. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> we have to keep showing the manufacturer fulfilled listing and then that will come to us to figure out how to fulfill. If And the customer can still buy that and it's a lower price kind of a lower price than the FBA listing because we, we separate the product, the product price and shipping. So it's weird. And then <laughs> if, um, if a customer comes to our website to buy, we try to fulfill those through FBA, but if it's an international order, we can't. So we have to do the international orders out, not through FBA on our own. Um, as we ramp up with other retailers, for example, well, there's other retailers that are online that won't let you ship the product through Amazon. They want to drop ship, but that's their one requirement is you, you can't do use FBA for the fulfillment. You have to use something else. So it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And, and to even make it even more complicated because you sell uh, on your website and then fulfill through uh, Amazon and some of those scenarios sometimes you'll have duplicated <laughs> sales come into your come into your quickbooks because you have it originating from one or the other and then they come in and we have to peel back the layers of the onion so that we can so that we're not crying at the end of it <laughs> well and that that's exactly why we pay for webgility and uh we're lucky to be working with you so that um you get to deal with that headache and not really <laughs> But really, it boils down to, you know, the, these fees are kind of se uh, segregated into subscription fees, you know, just paying the luxury, you know, the luxury of, of selling things on Amazon, they'll charge you a subscription fee, or you have the option to do pay as you go. But with the sheer volume of, of some of these listings, it makes sense sometimes to just do the do the subscription. And then the actual selling fees themselves, which is, as you sell something, uh, there's a fee for for that listing, so it's uh, a pay as you as you as you sold, and then the the shipping and the fulfillment uh, fees are, are are bundled on top of that. It's really how it kind of boils down. And as we mentioned, Amazon settlements are every two weeks, right? And uh, you you'll you'll have a lump deposit that'll just show up into your bank account. You hope it's a deposit, right? It's not a <laughs> not a, a withdrawal, um, but that's going to be the the gross sales. Uh, any returns uh, that have that have come in because now returns is is a is is a challenge in and of itself. Working now with a with the seller, um, Randy, do you uh, 
I know, I know you work with returns, but um, you know, how does that, how did, what, what are some of the challenges that you've seen with, uh, with just in, in, in the returns aspect? Yeah. So uh, obviously, like I said, you know, and you have, you have 50 to 60,000 orders a year, you're going to get returns. And, and our level of returns, although it is in the small single digits from a percentage standpoint, it's not insignificant, especially during the holidays. Um, and what's tricky about it is, and just to give a little background, what, what Amazon does is if a customer buys a product and it shows up and they decide that they don't want it, they go into Amazon and they process a return and they get refunded they get refunded immediately. And, um, and that refund shows up in your, uh, in your every two week statement. But then the question is, well, did they actually return the item? Because what Amazon does is it leaves that return as pending, even though it's taken the money back out of my account, it leaves it as pending. And if they never return the item, which happens very frequently, um, then at some point in the future, sometimes it's, you know, 60 days later, sometimes it's even longer, they will decide that this customer never returned it and they will reimburse me for what they took away the first time. So you think about it, it's like, I got paid for the order, then I got the money taken away, and then I waited 60 days and the money came back. And so just trying to keep track of this from an accounting perspective, especially when you have 50,000 orders a year, it's really complicated. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'd hate to be the accountant in your books. Yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. I am the accountant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, but as it as these uh, settle Amazon settlements happen, they are just a lump sum, and then everything else, all the fees are 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 are, are pulled out um, in, in that in that settlement. Um, Returns are, are taken out, and then you have, <clears throat> you know, the the FBA fees and, and other fees that are just subtracted by that, and hopefully, you know, it matches. But it it's as we're as we're understanding, that's that's a that's a tall order sometimes, especially based on the the volume and and the moving parts that you have to have to deal with. Yeah, so let's uh let's launch our our second poll, uh, which is. Uh, do your clients sell on multiple online sales channels? So is it just Amazon that, that, that your clients uh, sell on or is it, is it multiple places? And, and uh, you know, as, as we kind of mentioned, uh, you know, Randy, you're, you're venturing into the other marketplaces. Um, did, did you, did you, ha do you, what about your own website uh, and selling, you know, specifically without, without dealing with Amazon? Is that, has that been something that you've uh, considered or done? Yeah, we have a Shopify website. We're just not very good at it. And uh, we're working on getting better. Um, not the least of which is because, uh, you know, as Eric mentioned, um, you know, Amazon is not that reliable in, in keeping products in stock. Even if, even if I know how much they need, they don't always listen to me. And they're starting to restrict inventory. Uh, where they hadn't in the past because they're running out of uh, DC space with so many people. So uh, selling on Shopify uh, direct to consumer is becoming uh, something that we need to get better at. And we're, we're actually working on that right now to try to figure that out. So I, th I think for me, 
whether it's Walmart uh, online marketplace or selling on Shopify, I'm trying to diversify or, or beginning to diversify now so that I don't have all my eggs in one basket with Amazon. Right. Right. When, because now you're, you're kind of at their mercy, right? Yeah. And you, uh, if, if policy changes, um, you know, then there you are, you know, with, yeah. with all your game, all your games. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Wanting to, got it. All righty. So it looks like, uh, let me go ahead and share the results. looks like uh, a lot of people are selling in multiple, uh, multiple sales channels that do sell online. Some, some don't even sell online at all. Um, or, you know, about 13% uh, just in, just in Amazon only. I did have a question I wanted to uh, uh, bring up to, to either of you. So I'll toss it out there. Um, Dana said, I have a client that sells handmade jewelry on Amazon, which I do too. <laughs> um, managing listings, promotions, pricing can be a full-time job. Do either of you have any suggesting uh, suggestions for listing management as far as managing your listings on, on Amazon or, or, uh, or other marketplaces? Eric, you want to go first? Um, well, since we only have one product, it's not as complex. I know there are ways within Shopify to push your listing content and sync it with Amazon. Uh, I think Shopify has actually just come out with a new Amazon connector. Um, we've, uh, we've intentionally decided that if people want to fund Jeff Bezos' space missions, they can pay more. So on our <laughs> website... Uh, we sell Pup Pod for $199, and on Amazon, we sell it for $119 plus $10 for shipping. So it ends up being, mm. uh, sorry, not one, two, $219. Um, so it ends up being $230 with shipping, or with FBA, it's $230. So if you want to pay an extra $30 bucks for the convenience of Amazon, um, go for it. If you want to get a better deal, buy it on our website. It's kind of been our approach to the pricing, price management. <clears throat> Because we're, um, we're so, so we have we have control over the price. Sorry. Yeah, I uh, know that's all right. Um, we we you know I sell thirteen games and uh, four different food products, and so yeah, what what it sounds like the person with the jewelry business is describing a continually changing, uh, you know, pr product listing, um, and I will say that I, I do I use an agency to help me with Amazon. Ad advertising, but uh, unless your business is really large, uh, agency fees, you know, my agency is very expensive. Uh, they're several thousand dollars a month. And, um, and so unless your, your Amazon business is very large, I don't think that's really practical. I'm afraid they, that, you know, uh, my, my answer really is, yeah, if, you're, if your product listing is constantly changing, I think it can be difficult. And I also have one little thing to add to what Eric said, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, how this plays out. I have had my Amazon listings pulled down before because Amazon's, you know, bots have discovered the same item for a lower price on the internet and uh, Amazon wants to be the lowest price. So I'm very careful. Now, when you're controlling the price in both sides, you know, you have control of that, but, um, you know, I, I have found that I have to make sure that Amazon's price is at least as low as anyone else's, including my own, or else they'll delist me. So, um, you know, that it's always a concern 
that, that's always a concern that I'm looking at. Have you ever had uh, Eric your your listing taken down or, or, or that you've noticed? The only time we, we we ran into a problem with the listing not being visible was when we ran out of inventory on FBA, which is why we created the manufacturer fulfilled right. listing. Right. Um, but no, we haven't had. Sometimes they'll kind of mess around with the buy box, uh, but that's typically when they run out of FBA stock, and it's going to be where we have inventory anyway. It's it's usually related to FBA, not related to pricing. Price, price issues. Got it. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about inventory uh, considerations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things uh, that you have is, you know, who is fulfilling your, your, your orders? Where is that inventory located? Um, and when we talk to, um, I talked to Avalara, you know, the sales tax, uh, sometimes just where your, where your inventory is physically located might give you a physical presence in that state. Um, and that may have some sales tax uh, considerations, not just, you know, because sales tax is a concern, but, you know, Amazon's nice enough to, co- to do the collections for you um, and, and remit those sales tax payments uh, for you. But um, it's sometimes, you know, you, you just the fact that your inventory is sitting in Missouri or wherever that you know happens to be might now put you over that threshold of, of now you need to remit a, a sales tax uh, report uh, to, to that state just because that's where they happen to have their, their, your, your fulfillment uh, or your inventory physically located. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the challenges and we could have a whole hour <laughs> mm-hmm. just, on, just on some of the challenges. Um, you know, big thing, you know, returns occurring outside of the settlement. Uh, you know, if, you, if it all happens within that two weeks, that's fine. <laughs> but that's not typically how it happens. You know, Randy is, as, as, as he mentioned, uh, sometimes that could be months, you know, before yeah. they actually uh, return the product. Uh, or if they don't at all, you know, they consider it lost uh, and then they give you the money back. The, uh, you know, no, no, no. Uh, no argument that the fees are complicated, <laughs> uh, convoluted. Um, I think um, just kind of setting up w- within Webgility, um, you can, you, there's like 20, uh, there's, there's six categories. And, and within those, each of those fees are, and, and they're all, um, they're all like code, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> they don't yeah, make sense yeah. unless, unless you have, you need a decoder ring you know, to understand where this fee versus that fee, um, you know, marketplace competition. Um, you know, if you're selling something that's that's not unique, uh, that can be a, a big challenge as well. Um, have you, uh, Randy, have you seen that with, with other, other listings or listers or other resellers uh, competing with, uh, with, with your product? Yeah, in fact, um... It's one of the reasons. Why, so, first of all, obviously, we have we have tons of competitors that sell board games that are uh, similar similar to ours. Uh, you know, anybody who's selling a preschool game, I sell a preschool game, so I'm a competitor with them. But it but it is also not uncommon for somebody, another person, to be selling the ladybug game uh, at the same time I am. But one of the things you can do about that is is become the brand 
the brand owner, I think it's called. I can't remember exactly what the Terica probably know. You know, when you're you're actually the brand owner, and it gives you some flexibility to prevent people you don't know from reselling your product at some kind of uh, you know fire sale price. Maybe they found some at a thrift store or something like that, and um, and so we leverage that uh, brand ownership all the time to control. Uh, other people selling our product. There's only so much you can do about it. I mean, if they legitimately purchase the product and want to resell it and, and want to use their own uh, copy and such on the product listing, there, there's not that much we can do about it. But um, there is some control over just to make sure that you're not having people steal your copyrighted content or graphics and things like that. Yeah, one of my, um, my other clients, uh, he, he, was, he was dealing with knockoffs. Um, not just with, um, I mean, somebody actually, it was, it was the jeweler, um, and, um, uh, someone was manufacturing and selling a, a complete knockoff of his, of his jewelry. Um, and he was a, he was a solopreneur, right? So it, yeah. he was, he had, he didn't have, you know, like the, like the meme says, nobody's got time for that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he couldn't spend his time trying to chase down you know, knockoff uh, listings uh, to be, you know, and, and run his business at the same time. Um, and then what is your, what is your, your experience been with, with these kind of issue resolutions when you do have, you know, some of these challenges with, with working with, with Amazon, Eric, you, you want to oh talk about? <laughs> like trying to push water uphill. Yeah. It's uh they're the worst company on the planet. If you could think of the worst way to run customer support, you couldn't even imagine making a system that's as bad as Amazon. It's, it's, it's not, I, I couldn't even comprehend. I can't comprehend some of the things that they've done. Some of the, um, Oh, it's just, I have my cousin, the first, our first full-time hire was for customer engagement. And luckily he gets to deal with Amazon, our customer engagement. Not guy. you. <laughs> Not, no, I did it for, for months. And it's, it's, if you have high blood pressure, you do not want to be dealing with Amazon. Um, they are infuriating. Let me just give one example. So we sell, we, uh, the, the customers will put food in the, in the feeder and um, then they decide, hey, I don't want to return the product. They send it back to Amazon. Amazon will take that product without inspecting it, make sure that there's no food in there, send it to another new customer. And then the new customer gets a brand new unit. And it guess how that smells after it's been shipped for a couple of weeks back and forth with dog food in there. And this is out of our control. So now we have yeah. every customer return come back to us just so that this doesn't happen because that's just not a, the way you want to start off a relationship with a new customer. And yeah, we do the same thing. There's just so many, like we have products that, you know, Amazon will say, oh yeah, that was delivered. And the customer is telling us it was never delivered. Like I live in a building, we have a, somebody who, you know, puts it in a storage locker when the packages come in and Amazon's like, our records say it was delivered. And we're out, the brand, the rule of thumb is anytime there's an issue, the brand has to be the one that sucks it up. Amazon pushes everything to the brand. Yeah. And that's what I've uh, experienced from just working with you guys is that 
you know, Amazon's a great company when you're a customer, you know, they, yeah. they, they put all of their, um, their, their customer service to their customers. You know, uh, it's super easy to return things. Uh, it's really easy to order things and they're, they're very good at marketing to you, but then, you know, and, and even just, a, just from the, the website that you guys have to log into from the seller central, it's like, it hasn't been updated uh, mm-hmm. since, you know, the mid two thousands. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's, it's worse than you can imagine. Like I've, I've, I've tried to send them more inventory. And if you make a mistake in this convoluted form to just replenish your inventory, you can't just say, oh, I want to delete that and start over. You have to wait like 12 to 24 hours for their system to let you remove the, the fulfillment, you know, the inventory replenishment process that you started, which is just mind-boggling. I can't think of any other company that would make you wait 24 hours before you could hit delete on something where you made a mistake and just do it over again. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, you really have to factor in an extraordinary amount of bureaucracy uh, into your business model at Amazon. I mean, you know, I've, I've learned that at certain times, you know, we'll, we'll process a pallet for shipment in and every day they say they're coming and they never come pick it up. And you call their support group and their support group says, oh, yeah, let me put let me let me uh, uh, put a rush on this. We'll have it tomorrow. But nobody comes. I've, I've just gotten so used to it that it's part. It, I've kind of looked at it as part of doing business. I expect Amazon to be bad at what they do. The worst. Why, why do you yeah. do it? Why, why do you why do you work with them? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a huge marketplace. It's a huge marketplace and which serves the entire country. So I don't, you know, somebody who lives in rural Oregon can purchase the product and have it delivered. Uh, It's, you know, it's like kind of like a necessary evil, at least for my Mm -hmm. business. Yeah. Like we were talking, it's, they're, they're kind of the, the drunk uncle at the, at the family yeah. gatherings, <laughs> you know, you kind of yeah. know, you're not quite, quite sure what's going to happen, uh, but you do know that you're probably not going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but we, and, uh, we, we used to have a mix of like 60, 40 on our, between our website and about 60% and 40% on Amazon. And then when I raised the price on Amazon, we saw about 20% of the traffic shift to our website which mm. was perfect, which was great. I'm happy with that. We're up there for the people that want to pay the Jeff Bezos tax. And for the people who want to price search and save some money, they actually can do that on our website. Because the thing, and kind of going back to the question that the, the lady asked about uh, jewelry and pricing is all of Amazon is geared. It's a flea market. It's all geared around discounts. So if you want to incorporate discounts into your pricing strategy, it can work. You know, you don't sell Teslas on Amazon because the brand is valuable enough and they deliver value. They don't deliver price cuts. And that's yeah. that's more the model that I want for our brand. So um, if you're not constantly reducing your price and giving discounts and coupons and all that kind of stuff, then you're not really in Amazon's. Amazon doesn't have much interest in promoting you. They only really want to promote the people who are constantly dropping their price and running the price down to the lowest possible, the lowest common denominator where a business can just barely squeak by. That's, that's the Amazon formula. 
Yeah, yeah, and they've 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 tapped into <coughs> prices loyalty, right? If you mm-hmm. and they yeah. and they've built technology around, you know, finding the right price. You know, finding the find. You know, they have ways to scour the internet, you know, and find the, the same products that they sell uh, or fulfill, uh, and find out where they're where they're being sold. And immediately, I mean, I forget what the um, what the statistic is, I think that they, I think that their, that their strategy is to put you out of business and let some, if there's demand for your product, someone will sell it for less until you get to the lowest common denominator or the lowest possible margin that a manufacturer can sell for. So Amazon has no qualms about me going out of business. If there's a demand for whatever I'm making, someone will come to fill that demand for a penny less. That's, that's how they see brands so here we are in the uh not amazon fan club (laughs) (laughs) that's the reality it's just reality this is who they are yeah all right so we've even even had people who were our customers who were ex-amazon people that could recognize all the codes and they could tell us all the problems that were going on with their own order within inside of amazon i mean this is um yeah, it's it's there's there's some upside to Amazon, but there's a lot of downside. Yeah, I mean, I think the upside to Amazon is it's one of the first places people go to look for something, mm-hmm. um, and there is a huge audience there. And uh, you know, everything Eric's saying is completely right. Um, you know, I I value that huge audience. Um, and so, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to make money, uh, you know, with kind of compensating for all these Amazon flaws. Yeah. So, um, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, questions that we've seen here. The, um, some people say, I appreciate the candor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a therapy session. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and Eric, you're 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 uh, you're at, you're inviting a new uncle uh, to the <laughs> to the yeah. party uh, because you're you're because of your your business is is expanding into into Chewy, um, yeah. which is a you know it is the Amazon of of pets, right? <laughs> what is uh, what has been your experience so far? I know I know what I could say, but <laughs> want to hear it from you. <laughs> um, I have high potential. There are some very big differences between Chewy and Amazon, even though they're both these online, uh, you know, e-commerce destinations. Um, It's a little too early to know if Chewy is going to be as frustrating as Amazon, but it's going to be way more frustrating than dealing with um, humans. You're still dealing with a cyborg and an AI and an AI machine. So, you know, we kind of, sometimes we will talk about how to deal with something. And if it really boils down to we're interacting with software and not people, then we just, at some point we have to just kind of move on. And, and if you're dealing with either of these companies, there's a big part of your interaction, which is going to be with software and not people. Randy, has that been your, your experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is, it is very frustrating when, like, I mean, with Amazon, you can talk to a person. That person is usually in India uh, or somewhere else. And quite frankly, that person 
has a computer screen in front of them that's telling them how to answer your question, they really don't know. It, it's I, I can't tell you how many times I've felt like that person when I'm called has given me an answer that they're hoping will just get me off the phone. Uh, it's really not correct. Um, and and but other than that, you're exactly right. I mean, look, right now Amazon will only allow me to send in a certain amount of inventory. I ha I know for sure that that inventory is not going to be enough to satisfy my holiday demand. I also know for sure that come end of October. Amazon's DCs will be so congested that they won't be able to receive new, new inventory. I know this, but yet Amazon's computer system will only allow me to send in a certain amount of inventory and no human being is going to be able to override that algorithm. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it, these are, these are constantly changing struggles with Amazon as they get more and more massive and uh you know it's it's what's causing eric and i to seek <laughs> diversification and, and you'll send them you'll send them the inventory no problem and uh it's on the truck and then the truck driver has to get an appointment to even drop it off that could be weeks literally yeah. weeks that it that before the truck driver even can drop off your inventory to amazon and then amazon at their own discretion moves your inventory around their system and redistribute it redistribute it distributes it between distribution centers and fulfillment centers. And, it and can when go, that's happening, it's not for sale. Exactly. The way, I mean, when it's, they've you know. got your inventory and your customers can't get the product fulfilled and they can't, it's, it's, so you have to plan on six, uh, sorry, uh, two months, 60 days for the, for, for the redistribution of your inventory. And it may, there may be nothing uh, that that's fulfillable and then 50 units will pop up or three units will pop up. I mean, it's so random. And then, and then those Japan, units get sold and then you're out again until they move them around, and they, even though they've got your inventory. It's funny. I'm listening to us talk and I'm, uh, I'm feeling exactly what you're, you just asked is why on earth would anyone do this? And look, the answer is, you know, last year I sold a million dollars worth of board games on Amazon. Okay, I made I made a profit on it. I didn't make as much profit as I could have if they ran a better operation, but I made a profit on it. And that's the reason I'm there. And that's the reason I'm constantly trying to figure out how to prevent Amazon from putting me out of business. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna launch the last poll, which I don't know, it's kind of a loaded question. Do you feel better or worse about working with, <laughs> with an Amazon seller? <laughs> so yeah better i learned something that will help me today or worse not today amazon <laughs> not today you know it's funny i will say this uh you know accountants bookkeepers uh i mean you're really necessary with people like us uh because amazon's so difficult um you know uh so you know, as, as much as it will not be easy, uh, you know, you, you can become an expert in a way that you become almost indispensable to the client. And, uh, and I think that's an opportunity. Oh, yeah. I've taken out a life, a life insurance policy on Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And Webgility, is, it's, not, it's not inexpensive, but it is a good tool. And I'm yeah. pretty critical about these things. And, and the way we got to Dan was through WebGility and it was, that was, it's worked out great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, so yeah. WebGility for me has been 
a little more challenging. Again, I think it's because I have 50,000 orders a year. So these are tiny transactions. Each order will sometimes have seven or eight Amazon transactions in there, with just a few cents a piece. And uh, I have tested the capabilities of WebGility, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, and you were, when I, when I first uh, met you, Randy, you were ready to throw in the WebGility towel. I was. Uh, maybe, and maybe go somewhere else. Um, and and we, we worked through it. So we, yeah, we, yeah. we, did, we did find a, a happy medium. <laughs> yeah, we did. And, it's, uh, it, and Eric's right. If you're trying to manage inventory, I'm not sure there's a better option, really. In fact, I'm not sure there's another option, you know. Yeah, and, Amazon um, does not make it easy to extract data into QuickBooks. Yeah, it's, it does it would not. Be, it would be extremely tedious to do that without, I, I think, without WebGility. I, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think I think why why I like WebGility so much, especially for Amazon, is actually the CEO of WebGility worked at Amazon, so he mm. knew uh, when he was creating the product, he was creating it for for Amazon, and then realized, oh, this uh, this might make uh, an independent marketplace uh, so, uh, solution, um, and then that's when he started his own company. Um, so you know he understood what what Amazon sellers were were dealing with. Uh, and, and made that, you know, available. And, um, you know, some of the comments that we've seen uh, here, oh, I, I didn't end the poll here. It looks, it looks like we're, um, yeah, 58%, not today. <laughs> Run screaming from, from an Amazon yeah. seller. <laughs> I'm not a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, um, the, some of the, 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 the challenges that, that, that come up are, are answered by that. And other people have, have seen, you know, true commerce or, or some of the other uh, platforms that do synchronize. Um, A2X is, is a great one. If you're not concerned about tracking your inventory inside of QuickBooks, uh, but you guys are. So that really kind of rule, rule that, that out for, for us. Right. Um, because, uh, and, and somebody had asked, well, what are we doing? You know, what are you guys doing to, to manage your inventory? Talk a little bit about what it is that you do do in, in uh, as far as QuickBooks uh, tracking your inventory is concerned, Randy, uh, you're, you're a little bit yeah. more. Well, uh, you know, uh, you know, I have 13 items and, and I have it all. I have all my inventory warehoused in a warehouse in Los Angeles. And prior to using WebGility, Literally, we had, uh, you know, a binder that tried to keep track of what the inventory was in Amazon's DCs added to what the inventory was in our own warehouse. Uh, and it was tedious and, uh, and, and uncertain, to be honest with you. And that is the, almost the primary reason that we went to WebGility is because, you know, when someone buys a product, returns it, then doesn't actually return it. And then Amazon uh, puts it back into inventory as sellable or doesn't put it back into inventory as sellable. Um, this is all very complicated and, and WebGility uh, uh, does a pretty um, adequate job of keeping track of that. So that was a huge thing for me. I need to know how much inventory I have because I'm ordering, uh, you know, I'm building the product in China and shipping it over. And so I need to know. And so that's the reason we did it. And, uh, and then Eric, you have, you know, since you just have one, I'm not to say one, just one, but you, you primarily sell one, one bundled product. 
um, and the fact that it's it's being manufactured over in in China, you have you have those concerns of lead time, right? Like how long, you know, what you mentioned before about the the guy needing an appointment to deliver it to <laughs> to Amazon. You're gonna kind of have to build that in to how, how are you uh, how are you managing uh, that? Now you're using QuickBooks Online to to track that, which is you know, a lot of people would say not an inventory management component. Um, what are you, um, what, I mean, I know the answer, but you, you want to tell other <laughs> Well, our, our, like you said, we only have the one product. So our inventory management is, is much more to date has been pretty, that's not the biggest problem that we have to, to automate for. We can pretty much track that manually because it's, that's not that complicated. I guess is the short answer. Yeah. Is there, was there something else that you, that I missed, that, that I missed? Answer your question. Did I miss the point? Well, the what we've done to, to help with that is we've created basically sub items oh. uh, of of those items, and we've had one where it's in manufacturing because it takes some time for oh. the manufacturing process. We've created uh, then it's in transit. So once you have the notification of when it's in transit, we move it, you know, in while it's in transit, so you can see at any moment looking at where where is your inventory. Um, and that's how we're kind of handling that in QuickBooks Online because we can't track the manufacturing process in, in QuickBooks, but we've developed that workaround to be able to do yeah. that. Yeah, you came up with a good solution because sometimes we don't actually, quote unquote, buy our product. We'll buy components for our product, then buy printed circuit boards like electronics components because I don't know if, if the accounting world is plugged into the global chipset crisis, but we had to buy chips uh, it took us about three months just to buy chips for our product because of this, um, yeah. this uh, the global crisis around the shortage. And so we were actually in QuickBooks then issuing POs for components of the product that had to roll up to the final product at the end of manufacturing and transit and then really actually being available for sale. And you, you came up with a good solution there. Awesome. Well, thanks for the... Uh... The tip of the hat. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it looks like we're at the top of the top of the hour. I really appreciate uh, you uh, you both coming on uh, and, and being so candid about your your experiences with uh, with the drunk uncle of, of online retailing. <laughs> and uh, and so next time on the on the QB Power Hour, we're going to be talking about what's new in QuickBooks Desktop 2022. Uh, Randy, you might want to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> given that I'm using 17. <laughs> well, that's how you do your margins, right? You know, don't yeah. update yeah. Every, <laughs> every year. So many small so. leaks sink a giant ship, Dan. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, thank you both for, for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and and uh, and just to have a, a chat about and letting, uh, letting our folks know about what it is like to be an Amazon seller. Uh, so what, so now you know a little bit about what you're, what you're in for if you're dealing with, <laughs> with an Amazon seller. Um, and we'll see you guys uh, next time on the QB Power Hour. We hope you enjoyed listening to the QB Power Hour podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them in our Facebook group. You can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.